had a really good conversation with my uncle and um i called him and i kind of disclosed to him like hey like, you know like i might be cut from this team and he was just like you know what you need to do i was like what he's like you need to pray and ask god to not only bless your hands but to bless your hands to the fullest and tell him that you're going to give him the glory and i just started doing that this is culture at a crossroads with david mann with me in conversation, we have a return guest, Orion Edwards. Welcome to the program. Ah, thank you so much. I feel so welcomed. I'm glad that you feel welcomed. And uh, we're separated by distance this time around as you are uh, making a rise in your career in uh, the lovely province of Alberta. Yeah, Calgary, Alberta. Well, technically, it's, it's Airdrie I'm calling in from, which is uh, 20 minutes north of, of Calgary. But it's a... Uh, it's beautiful. It's sunny out here. I guess I'm part of the great mi- migration out west, as a lot of uh, GTA residents are doing right now. But it's uh, it's been great. It's been good to myself and, and my wife, which is, a, I guess, a new update Ooh. for the last time we talked. Yeah, real estate is a little bit kinder out in, uh, out in your province. Definitely, for sure. But life has been kind to you. The Lord has been kind to you. You've got a, a lovely wife. Amen. And Amen to that. You guys have been uh, trekking in a marriage in the midst of COVID. Yeah. What, what, what is the proverb? Proverb says uh, a man who finds a wife finds a great thing, finds a favor from the Lord, right? So I paraphrase that, but but that's that's definitely true in my life, you know? That's awesome. And how is, has she taken to the sport of bobsled? Is she like an expert in all things on the track? Uh, I wouldn't say expert, but she's definitely like, she learns a lot, like from my, our, my day to day, like talking about bobsled and like some of like, you know, cause I'm passionate about it. So I, I bring that stuff home too. And I have like some, uh, a pair of like runners in my, in my garage and some bobsled tools and all that. She's got no choice really is what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of part of the deal, you know, <laughs> or a package deal. You want Orion, you want, you got to learn a little bit about bobsled. Yeah. Just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, but talk to me about that. Like, what was it? How has it been for you guys to start a life together and move across the country? Yeah. Well, first, uh, you know, um, COVID was hard on a lot of people. But like, you know, for for myself, like God really blessed me with it because it gave me opportunity to to slow down. And, uh, uh, you know, being like a high performance athlete, I'm always on the go, always you know, training always, you know, whether I'm trying to find a way to like level up or be the best version that God called me to be. And like COVID slowed that down. So we actually, we actually met during COVID like online and uh, our relationship like flourished and and bloomed there. And we got married on June 19th, 2021. And um, I guess like during the times, uh, the time I was like dating her, I was, uh, her name's Samantha, but Anytime I was dating Samantha, um, I looked at her one day and I was like, "Hey, like, would you, would you ever move out to Alberta with me, like to Calgary?" And she said, "Yeah, why not?" And um, I guess I took her up on that, and literally, uh, we got married June nineteenth, twenty twenty one, and I think by June, I think twenty sixth or twenty seventh, I had my little Toyota Corolla packed up with all of our stuff in it, and we drove across country and. Uh, and we saddled out here. So, yeah, she's been enjoying, like, uh, the problems, enjoying the city. And, like, we've, we've gone to the mountains a couple times. And um, I think we're, like, we're settled here. And, like, 
we don't really see us see ourselves like really leaving anytime soon. So, um, and that's coming from her as well. So she's she's uh, adjusted quite well. Well, last time we chatted, you were just sort of uh, beginning to take up the sport of bobsled. You were pretty new, and here you've got a few years under your belt, and you moved it to Alberta to chase the dream of what? I'm, I'm chasing a... I have a goal to uh, make it to be the first black male athlete, black male pilot, sorry, um, for Team Canada at the 2026 Olympic Games, which is going to be in Milan Cortina. Um, and so that's that's the goal. That's the that's the dream right now. And uh, you know, with that goal in mind, like it's still within excellence and trying to you know continue to have continue this legacy that Canada has as a winter sport nation and as a as a bobsled nation so that's awesome i mean worth it to get to italy just for the food too wouldn't it be <laughs> you know i've never been so i'm, I'm excited like i want to like i want to go and just like check out the culture a little bit but like you know still take care of business but still uh you know kind of look around and get a, a chance to to travel you know Mm. Well, you've been taking care of business. You had a pretty good season just wrapped up the 2022-2023. Finished uh, third overall in the North American circuit. Uh, how does that sort of uh, stack up against what you're trying to get to? And uh, would that have been would that be good enough if the Olympics were like a month from now? That you would you make it? So yeah. Okay, so for first, yeah, it was, it was a great season. I I totally agree with you. Like I think like the season. I uh, it's my second season as driving, driving racing as a as a pilot, um, but my fourth season in the sport. So I think like this season, like the season was so amazing because like I feel like it started to come into my own as a pilot. You know, I started to get a little bit more feel of like the corners and understanding how I'm supposed to drive them and have it like you know things just start to slow down just a bit. You know. I'm not completely completely there yet, but started to slow down just a bit, and things became more natural, more flow like. With the goals I had in mind going into the season, it, it kind of surpassed that goal. Um, and yeah, is a is a great step towards the uh, right direction. So your question was, would it be enough to go to the Olympic Games? I want to say no, because. Usually, like for 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 Canada, um, for us to qualify three sleds. So, to kind of explain this quickly, um, there's every nation has opportunity to qualify. I think two sleds, but two nations get to qualify three sleds. Okay, and so the last Olympic Games, so the last three Olympic Games has been Canada and Germany. Have qualified those three sleds, so for you to qual- be that third sled to qualify, you'd have to beat out another nation. Last year, uh, our third pilot who qualified that third sled was Taylor Austin, and he is ranked fifteenth in the world during the Olympic season, which is the most competitive season. And compared to like what I am right now, like I'm ranked thirtieth in the world, which, which is great. But um, if it was Olympic season, one would be um, a little bit more competitive. And then two, like it, it probably wouldn't be good enough to make it to the games. But as I said, it's a step in the right direction. We're at the top of the quad. So next year, next year I'm planning to make some more strides and continue making more steps in that direction as well. Oh, very exciting. Uh, just going back to the shift to pilot, how did this come about? 
This was interesting. So I went into my second year as a, as a brakeman and I made some good strides there. And, you know, our season was kind of cut short. We didn't race that season except for the, the World Cup team at that time. So the development team didn't race. And I was like, well, that's okay. I'm going to go back home and have a longer off season and just train and be an absolute monster for this Olympic season, uh, which would have been the 2021-2022 season. But uh, later in December of, uh, of 2020, I got an email saying that um, I had to go to this driving school in Whistler. And I was like, I don't want to be a pilot. Like, I want to be this brakeman and just like push the sled fast. And, you know, after having a call with like one of the coaches, uh, they're like, yeah, like, you know, they really convinced me that like it's kind of mandatory for you to go. I put air quotes around that and uh, I actually ended up going and I went with an open mind and like an open heart and just, you know, not really knowing what God was going to do there. But I uh, I started driving and I was like, this, this driving thing's pretty cool. Like I'm having like quite a bit of fun, like being in the front seat and like seeing, seeing actually what's going on in the sled. Like I really enjoyed it. And then the year after, so that was from like January until near the end of February of 2021. Um, and then, you know, in June, as I said, we moved to Calgary. I saw this like thought in my mind, like, so now I want to try to make it for the games as a brakeman. And uh, I decided to, in like, I think it was like August of 2021, to shift gears from being a brakeman to focus on being a driver and to start like my 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 goal towards 2026 from then. Did they say why they wanted you to make this transition? <laughs> it was uh, like the other pilots that we have in our program, um, they were nearing like their age of retirement. So like, uh, one of the most like famous pilots we have, um, or we we had, was uh, Justin Cripps, and he just retired this season before the season started, and uh, you know he won gold in Pyeongchang in twenty eighteen, and won bronze in the four man in Beijing this past twenty twenty two, and uh, he uh, yeah so he, he called it a career. He had an excellent career, and he actually became a coach for us, and they kind of knew that like some of the stuff was going to happen, and they're like, well, we need to continue to reload our program with with athletic pilots and they saw me as uh being one of those like athletic brakemen who could transition into becoming a pilot that's awesome well i, I mean it in one sense i don't know is a brakeman more like a a fullback and a and a pilot's more like a halfback if you're making the the parallel to football like you've got to be usually faster as a pilot and you've maybe got to be a bit bigger as a, as a brake man. I have no idea. No, like, I guess, I guess it's like to football, like you'd say being like a, like a push athlete or any like sort of brake man or brake person. Cause it's, it's like women compete in the sport too. Like definitely the pilot is like, like a little bit more of like a quarterback and like team captain on the team. Um, you know, like they're as a pilot, I'm in charge of my sled. If things break, I gotta, I gotta fix it. If something's wrong with it mechanically, that's on me. Like I have to make sure everything's in order. I have to make sure my brakeman, my team members know what to do, when to do it, and like, and to be that team captain there for like Team Edwards essentially. As a brakeman or brake person, you're more of like, like you, you honestly play more of a supporting cast, and which is which is great. You're like the blocker. 
Yeah, you could be like you could be like a fullback, like a, like any sort of position on the field. But everyone knows like the quarterback has like a little bit more, um, more pressure on them because they're the one that's like you know know the play. Like everyone has to know the plays in football, but they're the one that to know the plays and knows what everybody's doing at every single point of time, and like they have to be the one to be organized and you know like be calm and collective. Whereas like the and bobsled, I guess like uh, your your brake people can be a little bit more energetic. Let's say that, use that word energetic, excited, hyped <laughs> at the start of the you know at the start block and like ready to go and like I had to kind of use the word like steaming. Like think of like a bull, the nostrils are steaming. All they think about is pushing fast. Hmm. So that five seconds of <laughs> you know five seconds of, of heck and want to give it, and that's what the brakemen are thinking. Whereas a pilot, they're like, yeah, I want to push hard for five seconds. But as I get in, like I'm trying to be in this like this flow state and like feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. That's where the cool riding reference comes from because there's a rhythm <laughs> the way you drive the, drive the track, right? Oh, Ryan, for somebody who's never bobsledded before, because even the average person's probably never gone down the track. Yeah, uh, would like going down like a, a water slide and a tube be kind of like the closest <laughs> thing that you could sort of get somewhat of an idea when you're talking about like hitting these turns and and crashing like does that kind of give some people an idea of it okay crashing you can't really replicate you can't really replicate that <laughs> unless you uh unless you go down like a ski hill in a garbage can <laughs> um <laughs> it's, it's just uh i'm a little, i'm being a little dramatic there but it's like uh one thing i can tell you about crashing is uh it's really loud and if you actually if you go to the cool runnings clip on youtube of like the bobsled crash, they do a very good job of actually displaying what that crash is like. Um, you know, it, it's loud. It's a lot of like the sled, like sliding on the ice. As a pilot, you're just kind of hiding inside the sled. As a brakeman, you're holding on for, for dear life and trying to stay inside the sled as well and trying to keep your head and shoulder off the ice. Um, the best thing I could say for bobsledding, closest thing to replicate it, um, some people don't like want to use this reference, but I think it's pretty accurate. Like a roller coaster, like sit, but it has to be like a rough one, like uh, like one of those wooden ones at Wonderland, like the Mind Buster, right? I think it's a Mind Buster is a wooden one, and um, you go do that one, but sit in the back of the roller coaster, and there's a reason why. <laughs> the reason why is because in the back of the roller coaster, um, you feel the most G force. And as I go through corners, you feel G-force. So a fun fact, like when we do the track and Whistler BC, as we go through the last corner, corner 16, aka uh, Thunderbird, you're going about, you know, it could be going about 150 kilometers an hour in a two-man. And, um, you know, you're feeling about five to six Gs of force on your on your body. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it feels like someone's almost in like a folded position. It feels like someone's like pushing on your back for like a split second, but... That's how much G force there is in the sport of bobsled. That's so fast. I, I d- don't think I realized it was that speed. Yeah, it's, it's real fast. It's, that's what what's so, makes it fun, right? Yeah, there's certainly <laughs> no shortage of thrill. Orion, oh, talk to me about the uh, the life of a bobsleigh athlete. You're gunning to the Olympics. You're training with your team. What does that look like? What's a day in the life of Orion Edwards? You might do a, a lift in the morning. We lift about three times a week in season. On top of that, we might do some mobility, might be getting some therapy, whatever it may be to take care of our body. So 
usually would wake up, probably do a lift um, after breakfast, and then we might head to the to the track to um, make sure everything with the sled is okay. Um, so we might do some mechanic work. A lot of that mechanic work is done by ourselves. We do have a, a sled mechanic for our team, but there's only one of them, and he's mostly focused on the World Cup team. So a lot of the developing athletes are kind of taught by this mechanic and they're given instructions of what to do and, and told to manage their sleds on their own. So oftentimes we'll go to the track, make sure the, the sleds are right in order. If there's anything that needs to be fixed or done to it, then we'll do that. Come back, eat lunch. Um, after lunch, we return back to the track. Our sliding period starts from like 3 to 5 p.m. Around like 1 p.m., I'll be... I would actually be inside the track with like track walkers or I think they call like crampons, like the little things you walk on ice. I'd be walking inside the track with my coach going through um, what's it called, like a program, like how we're going to take every corner. Might talk about, you know, what happened the day before when we tried something new or what and stuff like that. And we'll take between like half an hour to 45 minutes in the track. Then we head back up to the top of the hill do some like a uh, similar track warm up to get ready to push. We do like by the time three o'clock rolls around, we'll, we'll slide down the hill. We'll probably do it on two or three runs. After the sliding session is done, we'll go and take everything apart from our sled, like the blades of the runners and make sure everything's cleaned up, make sure there's no cracks or anything's broken and just double check everything from there. Pack it up, close it up, head back to wherever we're staying for dinner. Um, after dinner, we might do like a cold tub or a contrast tub. And then what does that mean? Sorry, like a hot, hot and cold tub. So oh. uh, you might go like, uh, like, put like ice, like an ice tub. So you put like ice in, in water to kind of keep your muscles fresh. And then you go in the hot tub, you kind of loosen the things up again. And then to go back and forth, it's just a good recovery tool. And then from there, I usually call, I call my wife and check in with her and, and, uh, you know, uh, like talk to her and spend some little bit of quality time as I, as I can on the road. And then by like 10, 10 30, like we're pretty wiped from the day and, uh, we go to sleep and repeat race days a little bit different. Uh, race days, like a little bit, a little bit shorter, um, and a little bit more, a little bit more intense is less of a, uh, there's like no track walks during race day, but it's very similar days like that. Very enlightening. How do you make a living? As a, a member of Canada's bobsled team, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, like, there's a athlete assistance program, which is from the government in Canada. So, if you hit certain thresholds, yeah, thresholds and testing marks, you will be nominated for that. So, I've been nominated every year. I've been on the team, like by the grace of God, and that gives you uh, a monthly stipend for as a development athlete only for eight months. Also, I do have uh, some sponsorships as well. Like I had a last year, I was really fortunate to be named as a future Olympian fund. Wow. So that that's uh, a two year sponsorship, which was not only to myself, but also to my strength and conditioning coach, which is sweet because like, you know, when God blesses you, he blesses those around you as well. I got that. I'm sponsored by Save On Foods, which is a grocery store out in the in the West here and uh you know they helped me with groceries and some discounts there and then um you know last year i had a sandpaper sponsor which uh to like we when you polish the, the runners or the blades of the bobsled use a lot of sandpaper and use like really high grit 
uh, sandpaper, like fine grit sandpaper. So um, they provide me free, free sandpaper this year, which is, which is great, which is a huge help. You know, it's uh, to be transparent, you know, sometimes the bank account is low and, and it is a, it is an expensive sport, but like, you know, like God provides through it. And that's why I, I try to do my best on like obtaining sponsors and making sure to maintain those relationships with them as well and network as well. It'd be pretty hard with just the monthly stipend from the government. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's, it's not a lot. So you keep alluding to uh, God and your faith. What has that meant in the sphere that you're in today? How have you seen Him at work in your life? I think kind of going back to like the where like where we started the conversation off. Like results this year was uh, was crazy, um, but it's actually what's crazier is actually as I. Um, beginning of the season, I was at a point where I almost got cut from the team. Wow. Yeah. And uh, to briefly share the story, we had three weeks of uh, preseason in, in Whistler. And um, I wasn't driving well at all. And we came back for a week and they sent out an email, everyone named on the team. And they said, you know, others may be named later on based on the results. And I had a call with like my coach. It was like, hey, like you know, like I noticed my name was on that list. And he's like, yep, yeah, um, you know, we don't feel like you've been driving the way you should be driving, which was which was fair. I wasn't. And I was like, what do I need to do? He's like, well, you know, I don't know how else to say. You gotta drive better, you know. And it's a weird but good feeling because I say it's a good feeling now because in the moment it was is weird and it was hard. But it's probably like the first time I really, as an athlete, I felt like I had no control over that because you can't just train driving. You have to actually be in the driver's seat to get better as a driver. So it's not something I could fix like by sprinting harder or, or by working out more or by doing anything I knew how to do. Like it wasn't by my own efforts, but I had to lean on God for that. And I had a really good conversation with my uncle. I called him and I kind of disclosed to him like, Hey, you know, like I might be cut from this team. And he was just like, you know what you need to do? I was like, what? He's like, you need to pray and ask God to not only bless your hands, but to bless your hands to the fullest and tell him that you're going to give him the glory. And I just started doing that. It was amazing because after I went back to Whistler, I was almost like a completely different driver. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It was crazy. I was like a completely different driver. I had uh, like the, that first Whistler North America Cup was a great race for me. Um, you know, I was racing against a lot of World Cup pilots and like kind of st- hanging around a little bit. And like I, I had a coach like I had a coach like message me later. It's like, you know, what? like that's a good step towards like where you need to be. So and like later the next week, not only myself, but myself and the rest of my team was named to the team, not just due to my driving, but due to their performances as well. But like it allowed them to step into it too. So like, as I said, when like God blesses you, he just, he blesses you to the fullest. And like, you know, even being on this team and like being a national team athlete and being a, a pilot in the position I'm in right now, like God placed me in that position. Like nothing, not my own will, not my own strength, not my own speed, not none of it isn't by me, but it's by, by God. I, I give it like all the glory to, to Jesus there. So, well, it's been great to catch up with you, Orion Edwards, uh, future Olympian for Canada's bobsled team. We are uh, believing that in faith yes, and uh, he's putting the hard work in. 
You can follow his his handle on social media. You're very transparent and you give great updates. So Ryan underscore Edwards. Thanks for this. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Next time on Culture at a Crossroads. Alarms have gone off over Chinese interference in Canada, but the question marks aren't just around elections in the last five years. We'll chat with Gordon Holden from the University of Alberta's Chinese Institute. He's an expert on trade between our countries and has logged over 20 years of foreign service work in Chinese affairs for the government of Canada. We're going to trace back historically to why China has such a vested interest in Canada. Canada.